Mike Wilkerson from the 24 Podcast here. There's only one place on the internet I go for 24 Legacy fans. It's 24legacyfans.com. It's the best, most vibrant Facebook community for 24 Legacy fans ever. 24legacyfans.com. That's 24legacyfans.com. Shield. It's an organization that both exists and doesn't exist all at the same time. For those in the know, Shield, the Strategic Homeland Intervention, Enforcement and Logistics Division, is the counterterrorism and intelligence agency run by Director Nick Fury. Its global reach, with thousands of operatives with differing skill sets across the globe, continues to grow. Shield's activities have been documented for a long time, both in comic books and feature films. Those legendary tales now transfer to the smaller screen in a weekly series on ABC via Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the findings of a crack team of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. This is the detailed review of those chronicles. Set your life model decoy to take care of life's business for now. It's time for another episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast from Two Guys Talking. The only thing sweeter than victory is a victory when one gives all. Where defiance, sacrifice, and good win out are just simply one of the most satisfying details one can imagine inside of storytelling, in particular on the smaller HD screen. Inside this episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC, Season 4, Episode 18, No Regrets, we are left with no regret, a bunch of satisfaction, and enough seeds to future storytelling greatness, well... We can't wait to see what follows. It's time for the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Nick, some quick housekeeping. The new Two Guys Talking Podcast Network website. Those of you listening to this episode will be able to jump on over to either agentsofshield.tv or twoguystalking.com and see a completely new formatted website along with newly formatted episodes of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast as well as a growing number of other reformatted podcast episodes across more than 50 different programs over on the Two Guys Talking podcast network. I'd love for all of you to go check it out right now by going to the number two guys talking Com, or you can get directly to the front end of what is our most recent episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. by going to agentsofshield.tv. Frightening Franchises. My co-host, Nicholas J. Hearn here, is actually the host of Two Guys Talking Horror as well. <laughs> and Nick is cooking up something wonderful in regard to franchises mm -hmm. that I know Chris and I over at the 24podcast.com effort have been talking about for months now. And tell tell everyone about it, Nick, because I think everybody's going to be really excited about it. Uh, we offer quite an array of different tastes of horror over at Two Guys Talking Horror. And one of our newest endeavors is fright-filled franchises. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, here at Two Guys Talking, we love doing perspective reviews of single movies. Mm -hmm. Well, picture doing a perspective review of a franchise that had three movies yeah seven movies mm -hmm. 11 
movies. Wow. Imagine that. Wow. Imagine the torture one must put themselves through mm -hmm. to, let's say, watch 11 horrible, horrible films mm -hmm. just to understand what makes that franchise so popular to have mm -hmm. 11 films in it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, I think what's really strange, too, is that across especially feature film segments, what you see now is there's some sort of need to keep creating content for a franchise that will simply not die. Right. It just so happens that horror speaks to it wonderfully because, of course, people don't die in horror films, in particular the lead characters. Well, they always come back. They return from the grave. Yeah. They're getting rebooted now. See, that they don't have to return from the grave. They just get rebooted. Yeah. But our first fright-filled franchise episode coming extremely soon is actually going to encompass all six of the Resident Evil films. Oh, wow. It's a, That is a franchise that I really did want to get involved in, but after now knowing just some of the tumultuous fandom I have to experience just to get through a gauntlet to what is then provided, especially at the end, uh, I, I'm not there. But I really do look forward to listening to your episode on it, mostly because it's the quick hit. It, yep. I don't have to spend the 11 hours. I can get it all from you guys. And remember, all, right. all of you can listen to that probably by the time this podcast comes out by going over to twoguystalkinghorror.com, which will take you to the front end of Two Guys Talking Horror's Facebook presence, which will be the exclusive launching platform for that episode of Two Guys Talking Horror. Should be outstanding. Check it out, twoguystalkinghorror.com. All right, I'm ready to crack my knuckles and get to reviewing some Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC. This time, Season 4, Episode 18, No Regrets. Down with Hydra. Down with Hydra. Sponsored by Acoustica's Mixed Craft Recording Software, Blogger's Bug, and the St. Charles Office Center. Nonchalant Patriot Power. I love the intro to this episode because, not surprisingly, like what you and I have talked about on many occasions inside of this series review, as well as a whole bunch of other perspective reviews you and I have done, there is total, literal power in being subtle mm -hmm. when it comes to superpowers. And as we start this episode, we've got the Patriot and we've got not so Colson Colson. <laughs> Looking at the scene that they're trying to paint, you know, you know, it just kind of looks staged. It doesn't quite look right. And nonchalantly, Patriot walks over, picks up a car, and turns it on its side. It, it's so nonchalant that it fits perfectly. Mm -hmm. It is the perfect accoutrement to the storytelling process that this needed right here. You know, it doesn't need to be on fire, nothing terribly super elaborate, but something that would instantly stop traffic, and that's what it needs. It's also something that we hadn't seen yet so far while in the framework. Mm -hmm. We hadn't seen Jeffrey Mace use his powers as the Patriot. Right. Now we know, yes, he does have powers. It's not a ruse. It's not a, it's not a game. Inside this world, Jeffrey Mace is an inhuman. He does have super strength, super invulnerability. Which may also directly refer to one of his regrets and that he was powered and that he needed to take a shot to be super. He had to juice up, yeah. And so there's one of the fixes of the many that we'll be talking about inside this episode. Anyway, the uh, the nonchalant walk into Patriot Power inside of this episode I thought was really, really outstanding. A squid mobile. I love this. 
This again reminds me very much of what was going on inside the Matrix, where all of the people that were on the other side of the war, very much like the the veterans in really any war, or any action that's going on, mm-hmm. all have nicknames for the opponents inside of an opposing force. Right. Inside of the Matrix, they actually referred to the squid-looking robot machines yeah. as as the squiddies. And yeah. so again, we see something very much similar here where they're referring to the squidmobile that they then take down and take over. Right. And I love that. I love that I love when they inside of this framework, they generate this framework of vocabulary that can be used and used as a framework to build storytelling. Right. Cuz what I think what really is remarkable about these last 3 episodes is that all of them really do build a framework. That you can have total belief on like, okay, we know that insert whatever happens and that's innate to this world. That's all built Mm -hmm. and it takes less than three episodes to get there. That's storytelling power and it's pulled off wonderfully. Not to mention the merchandising possibility Mm. coming this Christmas. Hydra Hot Wheels. (laughs) Get your hands on the Squidmobile. Yeah, that's great. I, I, I love that and... I really do hope that they trumpet things like that. I think there's all kinds of giant benefit for that, especially spilling onto a larger audience that I know they always want to hit. Mm. Daisy dirties up well. Dude, they worked over some Daisy inside this episode. They bring her up inside of the torture booth, holding chamber, blah, whatever it's called. Wow. Like, raw. Like, that looks like you're beating on a woman, and there it is. And it's Fitz doing it. Yeah. I thought that was tremendous. To have, for an actress especially, to have the balls, I guess literally, to have yourself put into that position, not only on all fours, not only smacked around, not only in the, you know, the, the well of a chamber, mm. but literally at the foot of a madman who's beating on you still. Total props. Total props. It all is pulled off wonderfully. Though we know that Daisy is, quote, real, we also know that in this fake life that she's in, she's only experiencing it, but she's just jacked into a machine. We, we, we get all that. But because of the framework that I just talked about and said the last point, you're absolutely bought in. Oh, yeah. You're bought into all of this. Oh, yeah. And, and take it one step further. She knows this isn't real, yet she's experiencing the pain for real. Mm-hmm. It, uh, again, to talk about horror, it's very Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy Krueger. Whatever happens to her in the framework is happening to her body physically because of the mental connection. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that she's going to wake up covered in bruises when she <laughs> g- gets jacked Wakes out yeah. of, the, of, the, of the framework. Yeah. But the mental stress on her brain is telling her this is real. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they could beat her to death and she would die on the table inside of Ada's evil lair in the real world. Yeah. And the fact that Daisy knows this is fake, yet there's nothing that she can do with it, is an extra level of torture. Yeah. I also like that we have completely built that, that, that assumption. Mm. If you die inside the framework, then you die in real life. We see some evidence of that inside of this episode as we get towards the end, obviously. Right. But we don't know that as fact. So we'll, we'll, we'll get there and we'll discuss it more. But that's something I desperately want to make sure everyone remembers is that that is not written in stone anywhere, nor has it been told to anybody that, OK, well, if you're jacked into the network and you are actually alive, well, then you die. 
We, we don't have that written as a law any place yet. Hydra's Fallen Wall. There's a theme that's going on inside not just the framework, but really this entire season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., where there's been lots and lots of focus on uh, maybe not so much regrets, although this episode, duh, it's called No Regret. Right, right. There are no regrets, so I get it. But there is an on and on tip of the hat to those that have gone before that fell. Mm-hmm. And I, it's not that I enjoy watching people die and then they get honored, but I, I enjoy that they bother to take the time to do that. Because most programs don't. It's just what's going to be the next shoot 'em up scene inside this episode of blah, 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 whatever. Right. And there is no afterthought except maybe some sort of melodramatic remembrance thing with some music behind it. They take it to a completely different level here with May, who is absolutely in the throes of not quite mustache twirling, but wanting to figure out how to take down the, quote, bad guys. And so going back and remembering what was to fuel this passion of wanting to get after it, I love all of that. Right. I I think it's incredibly vital in storytelling. Especially for May. Yeah. The Ward Summary. We've already waxed philosophic about Ward in at least the last two episodes of Agents (laughs) of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. I have no problem admitting I have a total man crush on Ward. I have more than a man crush on Ward. I have a man crush on all the writers of Ward inside this season because just wow. You know, Mm. the the instant you thought that his character could be taken only to a limit and then just, you know, he's a floating, dangling Chad. We don't care because that's where this all could go. Oh, yeah. After after all of this being done and all of us being ah, odd after he comes back again, mm-hmm. after we never thought we'd see him again. Okay, well, we're all in awe. We're not going to deck the program just for not having something special for Ward afterwards. But they keep going and delivering. And to go back and dig into the wardroom, I, I, I love that. Uh, this, this entire scene where there's a, an entire summary of what Ward is and was and is doing is it is spectacular writing, mostly because it's done so quickly. Right. Oh yeah. I don't have a, I never stopwatch on it, but I went back and watched the second, the episode again at lunch today with my wife. Mm -hmm. And it is, it, it is singularly propelling in every sense of the word to the story. Some of the best exposition ever done in film and television is exposition that you don't realize is exposition. Yeah, I if would totally agree with that. Because, I mean, there, there, are, there are films and television where you can feel, oh, this is a scene where we're going to get two minutes of exposition so that we don't have to worry about it for the rest of the episode or the movie. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and yes, they have had certain scenes that are like that, mm-hmm. but it's it's never seemed blunt force trauma over the head. No, I've, I've never gotten the waft, even though this episode is filled with absolute, usually melodramatic pitfalls, mm-hmm. minefield everywhere. Right. I mean, seriously, the last 10 minutes of this episode, incredibly melodramatic magnet. Oh, yeah. And that they were able to pull it all off. And we'll, again, we're going to talk about it in depth, but uh, it's a wonder... And again, that the writing prowess of where the where the writers are operating currently is just so off the charts. I I, I don't even know how to explain it anymore. The details of the real world. This is also singularly interesting because 
Simmons is able to lay it on all of us, as well as the people that won't, aren't going to believe it. Right. She's able to lay it on everybody, and we all get it. And I, I'm not kidding. I instantly sided with the people that don't believe her. <laughs> and it's not because she wasn't compelling. It was because of the presentation of the people that uh, Ward looks at her and says, man, I need a drink. And he stands up and walks off to whatever the hell a drink is. And I'm like, I'm totally with him. I hear what she's saying, and I know that that's real, but I need a drink, too. Right. They've got me, man. They've got me in their own little storytelling framework here, and it is spectacular. It really does work. I actually started getting a little annoyed with Gemma during the first half of this episode, mm. and I think that's that, that was the intention. She is so... I agree with that. She is so dead set on not giving into any kind of emotional attachment to anything that she sees. Mm -hmm. She constantly is reminding herself and everyone around her, you're not real. Mm -hmm. And again, I, I started getting annoyed with that. It was like, come on, Gemma, just just lay off it for a little while. But then you look at the storytelling and the acting aspect of it, and it's a, it's a person thrown in an unbelievable situation mm -hmm. trying to keep her sanity because everything is upside down. She just saw the man that she loves straight up murder a woman. Yeah. She has to keep telling herself none of this is real or else where do we go from here where where Fitz and Simmons is concerned once we get back into the real world. Mm -hmm. If they get back to the real world. Mm -hmm. Acting, storytelling standpoint, I, I get it and I let it go. And then of course as the story progresses, you start seeing cracks in Chicks her in wall. The armor. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Chinks yeah. in the armor, yeah. Yeah, and it is super compelling. The 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 want to be able to... It, we talked about this originally as we started jumping into this Agents of Hydra stuff. And the, the gist is... In fact, we started talking about it when uh, the LMD stuff first started coming in. Mm -hmm. And we knew that there was going to be some sort of holodeck-esque scenario. Something or other, yeah. We, we talked about it super thick back then where all of this can be written so terribly. Mm-hmm. And get into a funk so quickly. And they have not only adeptly avoided every step in a landmine, they've actually created a red carpet of hallucination mm. that is a wonderful walk without there being any peril of stepping on a landmine at all. And I find that just terribly interesting. <laughs> Patriot's recollection of another world. Uh, I'm going to save a portion of this for something that comes later in the episode. <laughs> but I, I want, wonder what I want to absolutely exemplify how big a douche you and I thought Jeffrey Mace was. I hey, I will not shirk away from the fact that yes, I I didn't like Jeffrey Mace, and really not all that long ago, frankly, not very long ago at all. <laughs> This scene is wonderful. In fact, as I listened to this scene, I sadly was reaching out to many of the people I would either call coworkers or friends. Mm -hmm. And I would say, do you know me? Where am I from? Do I have any siblings? Mm -hmm. What are my hobbies? And I don't know if it was introspective that was going on here. Yeah. But it really does make you stop and think. And I love it when storytelling, where I, for those of you that have forgotten, they're preparing for doom. With a capital D. Yeah, inside of this scene. And to stop and take a moment to have a real personal moment 
where not only does it not get saccharine, melodramatic bullshit moment, mm-hmm. it actually becomes incredibly poignant. You don't know me at all. You know nothing about me. And any time that a character can look at another character in any franchise and say those words and not only be right, but be right <laughs> as I extend my middle finger. Right. That's when you know the writing is so off the charts good that you don't really have words to explain it. Mm. And this scene where Patriot details the lack of relationship that Gemma thinks there is or hints at inside of their conversation. I I thought that it was stellar. I I really thought this was probably one of my favorite moments of the episode. And, you know, the the dialogue and the setup could have been great coming from anybody. Mm Mm-hmm. But the fact that it was Mace, somebody that is jacked into the framework, somebody that she is there technically to rescue, Mm -hmm. that it's coming from him, that's yet another giant chink in Gemma's armor. Yeah. Where is the arch and how does it open now? We get to the scene with Daisy talking directly to the now dead doctor, but not dead doctor. And what I instantly thought of was, I don't think they ever did this inside of an episode of The Next Generation or Deep Space Nine or any other episode that had a a holodeck where there was a a prison cell that was somehow attached to another prison cell, but they were all in the holodeck. I could be wrong. But this scene where the two of them are interacting with each other instantly made me think of the holodeck and being able to look in the appropriate direction and go, computer, arch. Right. And and how there could be a pause. And now what happens is there's some way out mm-hmm. or to get into a, new, a neutral area to go and operate. Because that's what we've been missing this whole time. Right. There is no fallback area to go and wrangle in so as to not be manipulated by Ada to run forward and have a plan. Mm-hmm. That's the problem here. There's no way for the two people that are still real and know about the real world to interact with each other, build a plan inside of a neutral area slash zone someplace, yeah. and then take that plan and put it into action. There is no way to do that right now. Mm-hmm. And that's what this scene really, it was an excellent scene between a couple of really great actors that really, really do get it. But that's what this scene reminded me of. Mm. The end of the scene stops before Radcliffe tells Daisy what we want to know she knows we don't get to know which is great you know great storytelling right there keep us on the edge of our seats yeah but it it has now given a character that really had absolutely no hope left a glimmer of hope yeah and i think and that's and that's what our heroes need as long as they have a glimmer just just even a shred of hope then everything's going to be fine. They yeah. will pull through. Yeah. They will take care of business. Yeah. What I, what I love about those words is that that is actually what propels the rest of the episode from here on out mm-hmm. is that little tiny, is there a window? And whether or not the window gets closer. Even if there's 1% chance mm-hmm. of us succeeding, we're going to take it. Yeah. Jamie Flugelman. A really interesting, you know, out of the blue annotation here Mm. and i have to wonder if that was maybe a nod on a bet lost or something someplace or somebody that died of a of cancer or something just as a need to insert them into the marvel universe somehow yeah regardless of what it is Mm -hmm. 
it's comedy gold is is what it was. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've got not quite Phil Coulson <laughs> going around calling himself Jamie Flugelman. Yeah, it's Canadian. It's Canadian. Yeah, yeah, it's Canadian. <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> uh, it, it was brilliant. It was fun and uh, awkward, but awkward in a good sense. Mm-hmm. It helped put this... And Marvel does this so well. We, we've talked about it ad nauseum, I think. It is what is completely missing from anything inside of that other universe, mm. where there is this kind of awkward, funny, but terribly appropriate awkward funny inside of the storytelling process of what's being showcased on the screen that we never see inside that other universe. No, no. That other universe is just too busy trying to be real gritty and dark. I don't know. I, the, the bottom line, though, is that this was fun. This, oh, this, yeah. It's in an episode filled with a lot of downers, this <laughs> yeah. was a moment of levity that that allowed us as the viewers to go to chuckle yeah. and prepare ourselves. Yeah. yeah, and then prepare yeah. ourselves for another spanking from yeah. Hydra. Yeah. And then there was a man from Ireland meeting Fitz's father. For those of you that don't recognize David O'Hara, you need to recognize David O'Hara. Oh yeah. Because David O'Hara is a long-trusted actor inside of so many movies and iterations of awesome that I don't know how to appropriately list it all. For those of you that have not yet met David O'Hara, David O'Hara was was first introduced to me, at least, inside of the movie Braveheart. He played the crazy Irishman, you Mm, know, the one that owns the island. Yeah. All of it. It's mine. He is a tremendous actor who has such a wonderful acting pedigree, including The Departed and so many other really yes, great roles. Yes, I, I know some of our fans are Harry Potter fans, too. He was mm. in Harry the Harry Potter franchise as well. Yeah, and the, the bottom line is that when you're able to grab and latch on to this level of acting talent, how do you screw up? And the answer is that you don't. Every time that he appears on screen, you're instantly magnetized to watching him and what he's saying. Every time that he speaks, it instantly weaves into this very strange tapestry that Fitz is creating with this character, Dr. Fitz. And it's another masterstroke in regard to casting. Go and get me somebody who's got a super thick, rich Scottish brogue quick. Yes, sir. Right away, sir. Boing, there he is. I've absolutely loved everything I've ever seen him in. Yeah. And when he shows up on screen, I didn't know he was going to play Fitz's father. Not neither. Remember, we speculated on whether or not we were going to meet Fitz's father. Mm -hmm. Nice to know that we were right Mm -hmm. in speculation. Mm -hmm. But wow. Yeah. So I am now mesmerized. And and you've you've watched the episode twice. Mm -hmm. If you notice, every movement is calculated. The way he walks, the way he moves his arms while he walks next to Fitz, just slightly one step, not even a full step, but one step behind. Because even though he is his father. Subordinate. He is still a subordinate. Yeah. I also like that he doesn't move his head much. Yes. I I, I don't. He's very controlled. Yeah. What what I love about doing a podcast with you is that you two are also an actor. And so being Mm. able to zone in on things like that and how those things, it's, it's very much like. Inside of a role when you're doing an audition mm-hmm. and you purposefully do not allow your chin to move a lot when you speak. Right. It instantly changes how you're going to project not only your voice, but the, whatever you're going to riff on as a character. Mm-hmm. It instantly changes that. And so his choice to not move a whole lot, whether or not it was conscious or not, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. Wow. It's, 
It's spectacular. It plays perfectly into this pseudo conjured world of whatever we're supposed to see in regard to Fitz's father. It, it, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. The father and son scene. I realize that we've just got done introducing and talking about David O'Hara for, I don't know, eight, nine minutes. Mm. Well, let's get ready to talk some more about it. Because we haven't talked about (laughs) him and Fitz together. Yeah. Again, I get back to something that is becoming a recurring theme here inside of this television program, which is look at the douchey douche characters that we hated at the end of season one (laughs) that we now revere as must-sees inside of this television program. Right. Mac, Fitz, Simmons, Mm -hmm. uh, half the people that are dead. Yeah. (laughs) It's wonderful to see this scene with one, a figment of our imaginations, including the framework imagination. Right. And then this character that is this figment, complete figment of imagination Mm -hmm. that somewhere inside of Fitz's brain, his regret has been released, thereby creating this persona. And I love thinking about that because now I need to know more. I'm, I must I must drinketh from this bubbling fountain. Give me more. It's such a cleansing drink. I must have more. And it wants me to have more scenes like this between Fitz and his father. It's It's a wonderful scene. It scares me, too, moving forward because if Fitz gets out of the framework, will we see real Daddy Fitz in the real world? And what is that conversation going to be like? Evidently, evidently, the biggest regret Fitz had was not having his father in his life. Well, now we see that having his father in his life has turned him into the cold, brutal, slightly sadistic character that he is in the framework. Mm -hmm. It's scary, but also fascinating. Mm -hmm. And this show has... It, it definitely has a thing for messed up daddies. Because let us not forget Sky's father. He was a bit kooky as well, too. He was he was a little unhinged in an ill-fitting shirt, jacket, and, and really bad yeah, really bad Neanderthal makeup. <laughs> One of the things about this show is and they've they, they've talked about it a lot with some of the characters we're seeing at some in this episode with Fitz. We're seeing some of it with, with Mac. Family. Mm -hmm. Family has always been something that's very important to characters on this show, whether they talk about it constantly or they only bring it up every once in a while, whether it's blood relations or whether it's the people that you have fought side by side with for four years and have come to know as family. Mm -hmm. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it's not Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it's S.H.I.E.L.D. agents that are family. And I love that. I love that. Revisiting Triplet. Dude, they got me again. Blast from the past. Totally got me again. He turns around and for whatever reason, and spare me your hate mail, I realize it's not just yet another black guy. But I look at him and I see Sam, the guy that plays Falcon. Instantly, just look, it's Falcon. Except that it's not Falcon. Right, right, right. So I, I, I get all that. Spare me the hate mail. But I loved seeing that it is triplet. More importantly, I love that Coulson turns the corner and goes, Trip, they got me twice in a matter of 10 seconds on the whole nostalgia thing about, look, it's another dead guy. Yeah. Look, it's 
Coulson waking up without Coulson actually knowing that he's waking up. Well, you note that Triplett realizes that there's some relationship between the two of them that can't quite be articulated. Right. So in the matter of seconds, they've gotten us thrice I just... It's magical. It, 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 this is a magical place inside of this <laughs> magical television show. And I love it. I absolutely love what they create here. I also love that they just spin them directly into the storytelling. Boom. Boom, yeah. Just no, don't waste any no, time. No wasted time. No super. He's the mission. He's the whole mission. It's it's. We have to go in. We gotta, We have to save our operative. And it just so happens it's Trip. I, I love it. I, I absolutely love that they did this. They didn't rake anything over the melodramatic coals they didn't bother layering it on so incredibly thick that it's just a a giant fellatio activity session for everybody that ever knew trip it's nothing like that it's fast paced storytelling that pushes through the entire envelope very very quickly the literal fake guy talking about the fake dad and the fake kid in this fake world Wow. I'm trying to remember the last time that a movie franchise was able to blow, like I'm watching the movie and I have to listen to what was just said and then boom, goes the goes the head explodey handshape on the side of my head. <laughs> Mind I'm, blown. I'm, yeah, I'm trying to remember when the last movie that did that outright was. Mm -hmm. And I think I have to go back to Inception. Oh, wow, okay. And Inception is so interesting because there are so many subjective things that you can roll into just about everything that you see inside that movie. But I love it when I'm able to have that experience, but I'm really excited about having that experience when it happens inside of less than 43 minutes inside of a weekly, quote, comic book show right. on ABC. Because, wow. Mm. The dialogue here where they have Ward talking to Simmons who both of them are looking over at fake Mac with fake kid inside of the fake cause mm -hmm. inside of this fake world. And Oh, by the way, what is fake? Boom. Head blown. Seriously. Mm. And I, I love it that it is, it's demonstrative. It's very straightforward. It all makes complete sense. And this is also why it looking at from the perspective of Ward you couldn't possibly lace all those things together and go, and that's why this is the fake world? Right, <laughs> right, yeah. Boom, just instant, instant mind explodey. And then something else that you'd, you'd actually refer to here is that, well, actually it is the real Mac, except the real Mac isn't the Mac that Mac wants to remember. Right, right, yeah. The more and more three explodey brain moments in a matter of minutes. Come on, man. Yeah, well, the more and awesome. more that they show Mac interacting with hope the more i am convinced that before the end of this season ah i don't think mac is gonna unplug i don't think mac will want to unplug yeah well and you and i've been talking about you know, this because one, one of one of two things is going to happen here all i know is that giant chocolate black man is going to make me cry again yeah yeah that's all that i know it doesn't matter which way it goes either way I, it, yeah that doesn't matter it, either way it goes <laughs> he is going to make us ball <laughs> <laughs> What's a fem-powered fight without a crotch throw? It's something I love to chat about, not because I'm such an aficionado with women's crotches, but it's something that you will note inside of just about every single action sequence that features a woman, especially in black leather and or leotards. Mm -hmm. 
and it is the crotch throw where with help of a very small trampoline, suddenly someone who is diminutive, probably five, two, five, three now has their crotch in some six foot five gentleman's face and the torque and gravity of them landing on someone's face with their mid torso enables them to then spin around with their hips and instantly throw them at least three and a half feet, thereby knocking them unconscious. Not so strangely, we have it inside this episode once more. <laughs> the difference then is, is that it's now super-powered crotch throw. Yes. Because this time it's May who is now juicing. Super May. Super, super May, super crotch. Awesome. And that's something that I think three episodes in we needed. We needed yeah. a, yeah. a super-powered beatdown. Yeah. May has been wound so tight, and now she's got she's juicing, so mm-hmm. now she's even more unhinged. Mm-hmm. It's he's she's all over the place, and it, it breaks my heart to think about it because I know Melinda May. I know I don't you know physically know Melinda May, but I know the character. I've been mm-hmm. watching her for the last four years, mm-hmm. and to see her put herself literally put herself through this, all of this pain and anger and frustration that she's had in this fake life in mm-hmm. the framework mm-hmm. she's taking out on jeffrey mace mm-hmm. the funny thing about it is is that there are certain times where it doesn't seem like the patriot is just brushing it off it almost seems like there are certain times where they're on even keels mm-hmm. and had maybe she juiced up right when she landed and then took on mace the fight might have gone different a little outcome. bit differently. I agree with that. She was already starting to fade when she got there. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, the the playing field was definitely uneven. Yeah. But the fact that even the fact that it was uneven, she was still bringing it to Mace. Mm-hmm. It would be very interesting to see how that fight would turn out if circumstances were different. Yeah. I'm, I I really enjoyed what they had manufactured here. And it it makes for just great storytelling. Being able to see a couple of powers go and throw down mm-hmm. there there is there's very little more satisfying than be able being able to see that in a really good convincing style there is something else that i wanted to bring up though oh creating the only fake melodramatic scene in this season all right so i've already labeled it the spear's already been flung it's landed in the side of this episode, which we've had so much stellar to talk about. I I almost didn't bother mentioning it. You'll note that it's not inside of the skeleton. Nope, I am completely clueless I, to what you're about to say. Okay, well, looking at this episode a second time, and I felt it the first time, but I didn't jot it down because I was so awestruck with this episode. Okay. Having watched it a second time, there is a bit of quality that falls here, and it's, I would equate it to they have a soundstage to use they have a green screen to use. They have an entire array of characters that is limited to, let's say, 12 total. Mm-hmm. But they have to depict a Quinjet firing on a building. They have to depict the building quivering. Right. They have to depict the saving of one child slash not so child. Come on. Mm. Uh, they have to depict one of the most powerful scenes inside this episode if not the series and then they have to kill one of the main characters of this season all in the span of about 12 feet Mm. and it shows it really does show and this may just be because I'm preying on 
how I looked at the scene and how if I had access to a green screen, a stage, 12 people, fake rocks, and the need to depict this scene, well, I would have filmed it like this too. The difference is that I'm not a major studio that has television shows on ABC. Right. So I love this content. I love that everybody is focusing on the good and digging into May with the good. I love that Phil Coulson absolutely beats her over the head with it. You've got to be kidding me. We're saving a kid here. Right. All of that. Man, I, I love every single shred of that. It just looked fake. It, The passion was there. The, the, the gritting, every scene where it's close in on Patriot, his, his diving and sliding in to save, the building somehow being held up, that's all powerful enough to drive this scene. So that's why I didn't bother mentioning it the first right. time. But I wanted to make sure that, especially as we get into here, trying to even out this episode where there's 8,000 things that were awesome. Mm-hmm. This is the one negative that I wanted to mention inside of this episode because it really is. The, the queen, well, and you can tell how they cover it up, too, because it's a lot of close-ups of the characters yeah. once they're inside the building. And, and, and smoky, dusty, right. dropping yeah. fake stones and, and, and flour and mm-hmm. whatever else is falling down. I get it. I, and I, I just I would have loved to have seen something different, but it's where I kind of go, how, how real must you have the, the destruction be to get the concept that, one, we're killing Patriot, two, we're saving a child, three, May is going to have her instant change of heart here in a moment, and... By the way, we just blew up a building. So I'll I'll somehow, take it one step further. Okay. I'll take it one step further. Right. Rewind a, yeah. about another 10 minutes earlier in the episode going through the building. Mm-hmm. It it didn't scream high security to mm-hmm. me. It didn't scream like this place is important. You barely saw anybody roaming through the halls. There was nobody watching the kids. While they were, yeah, they were just in, in the room. They were in the I mean, even if even if you didn't want to get all you know tripped out with the mind controlling, mm-hmm. I didn't see anybody outside the room monitoring. There wasn't somebody sitting inside with a pair of special glasses and maybe some headphones that it wouldn't affect. It kind of seems like thirty minutes into the forty-two minute show, they started running out of money. Yeah. Because, you know, they've got other yeah. things that they have to save up for. Accomplish, right, yeah. And the effects weren't, I mean, it wasn't horrible. Yeah. But you could tell that there it wasn't as great as it had been yeah. in the I, past. I think where it starts is it's where Colson starts to see the, the children that he's been sending to this place mm. walking by up the up the, the, the stairscape or the walkscape. Right, right, right. That's like I'm looking out the window and I go, you and I could have filmed that with a with a with a recorder cam. Mm-hmm. We we go grab our cell phone. We could have went and shot that scene right now. Mm-hmm. But it also there was only like what one two guards, mm-hmm. and there was a whole line of kids. Mm-hmm. These kids really wanted to be rebellious, like they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Could have taken those two guards out, no problem, yeah. with a whole handful of unruly children. Yeah, the the we the, we we skip by it real quick because we kind of jumped to this point. But the we don't need no education room with the kids with the <laughs> with the electrical tape eyes. Very open. clockwork orange. Yeah. yeah. Um. <sighs> Yeah, but remember, I, that's I, what I, Whitehall I have... was doing in season, what, two, three, season two? Uh, that's how Whitehall brainwashed people into Hydra anyway. Okay. So, well, I mean, it uh, makes sense. That part that part I didn't have a problem with. It was the f- simple fact that this facility is supposed to be so important to Hydra, mm-hmm. but it didn't seem like it was filled mm-hmm. to capacity with Hydra agents to protect it. 
Uh, maybe it's because the Hydra didn't think that it needs to be protected. Yeah. And, and yeah. okay, that, that might be the case. Yeah. But to add it to the, the set dressing of our big climax of this scene, it just didn't really gel well. So I, I do agree. It does kind of, the, the spear, you threw the spear, it, it landed, it cuts deep, but it's okay. It's just a flesh wound. A fallen patriot. It's not every day that you kill off, not only inside of the framework world, but also inside of the real world. And this was so adeptly done, where not only do we see an incredibly dramatic, appropriately dramatic, by the way. Appropriately, yes. Even though I was scuffing on the on the what we actually saw and how we saw it, the the acting, brilliant. Mm-hmm. The what was said brilliant the colson digging into good period paragraph are you going to help us we're trying to save a kid i love that that is so bold and plain it, it's not convoluted he doesn't have to dig deep inside of deeper meaning of anything mm-hmm. look are you going to help us save a kid or aren't you it's black and white mm-hmm. and very often that is what helps snap evil into place and i think that's what we actually see towards the end of this episode and this shutting off this hit the disengage button that we see Ada actually do as we snap into the last section, the last snippet of this episode. Our first trip back to the real world since we entered the framework. It, it, it's wonderfully done. The, uh, the appropriate doop, 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 doop of other people as they're walking by them. And then they just in the background, you can, you can just barely hear it until camera snaps face center. And then you hear boo. And that continues until she hits the disengage button, snap the black. Wonderfully, terribly appropriately done. And not melodramatic. And not filled with the stupid echoes of incredibly dramatic music that would usually make your heart palpitate Mm -hmm. because it's so saccharine filled. Uh, Incredibly well done. The Patriot was a Patriot and Jeffrey Mace died a hero. Daisy is a wreck. Talk about real world giving it up. You know, we'd already talked about Daisy and how she'd already given all at the beginning of this episode. But to see where she is at the end of this episode when May strides up and is suddenly on board. Wow. Well, she she now has she has her glimmer of hope. We have to assume that Radcliffe has has given her the secret the keys to getting out of the framework. The arch. Command she the already arch. well she already knows he he has given Ada's location in the real world. So she knows where to go to save all of all of her people. She just needs to get out now. Mm-hmm. So we have to assume that Radcliffe gave her that information. Yeah. So she's got that hope. She's ready to fight again, but she doesn't have to because the M Night Chimichanga twist ending <laughs> Agent Melinda May has had a change of heart. I'm going to replace the Patriot. I'm going to be a Patriot, too. Boom, just whips out a Terrigen crystal, throws it at Daisy, and Daisy enters the cocoon for Terrigenesis. Now, I know this is the framework, but the rules have to apply in the framework because she did not have her powers. Now that she's going through framework Terrigenesis, 
she's got to have her powers. Mm -hmm. And I don't see how Madam Hydra slash Ada is going to be able to stop that from happening without doing some damage to her fake little world. Yeah, well, I, I think that's terribly well said. But kind of where I was going as I was spouting off all this cool stuff that we see, I always kind of look at this. Well, Ada made the thing. If Ada hits the pause button, Ada's hit the pause button. Now, obviously, they're not going to do that because that would kill the show. Look at the heroes being able to take advantage except, boop, pause. But I think that if she hits the pause button, everything's going to pause except for the real people who are jacked in there. Then they're definitely going to know something's up. Mm, Interesting. Interesting. So, again, I I agree. I seriously don't think she's going to hit the pause button. Mm -hmm. But playing devil's advocate here, if she does decide to hit the pause button... I believe it'll pause the world, mm-hmm. but not the five, six remaining actual shield agents plugged into it. Mm-hmm. I, now, I could be wrong. They could come up with some techno babble that explains that freezes everything. And well, well, not only that, somehow, and again, this is where we get kind of on that whole you and I have established rules that haven't really been established anywhere. No, true, true. This perhaps is very in true. the Matrix movies or. <laughs> Something that well, you and I the, the Matrix and how the Holodeck supposed to work. Yeah. Well, the yeah, Matrix yeah. and the Holodeck are really our frames of reference for what's going on yeah. here in the framework. Yeah. And yeah. as as of yet, we have not been told that we're wrong, mm-hmm. but we also haven't been told that we're right either. So, right. What we also haven't seen though is the you know the sage old chink in the armor. Though you're talking about chinks of armor inside of uh, Simmons. Yes, I totally. We haven't agree. seen the little white cat walking by or the little cat the, the glitch in the Matrix. Yeah, we haven't seen. We haven't the glitch seen that, yet. and we haven't seen the the sparks flailing out of a corner of a room where you then see the black and uh, gold hash marks of, mm. a, of a holodeck. Right. So, um, again, they, they've got me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they, they've absolutely got me in the storytelling, and I can't wait to see what's going to happen inside the next episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's time to take a break here during the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC. We will be right back. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. there's a new president in town. While we don't have any presidential bio history on this one, there's all kinds of education, information, and detail available about every president over at presidentialbio.com with host Phil Tracy. Presidentialbio.com. That's presidentialbio.com. The presidential bio. Mom and dad always said, never talk to strangers but stranger danger never applied to new podcasts what better way to figure out whether you want to stick with your new podcasting relationship than to get inside the minds of the hosts take a deeper look on what makes these horror hosts tick at twoguystalkinghorror.com 
That's two guys talking horror.com. 24 Legacy features a new hero, a new day, a completely new cast, but also tons of new 24 fans. It's time to participate with all of them over at 24LegacyFans.com. That's 24LegacyFans.com. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even after your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment. Real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort right now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Everyone, welcome back to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC. This time, Season 4, Episode 18, No Regrets. Every time we come back from break during the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, it's time to open the S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers. Our S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers are where Nick and I focus on either an actor portrayal a scene that occurred inside this episode, or something else that tripped our collective review night fantastic. Nick, what do you got? My S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier is filled to the brim with David O'Hara. I'm, I'm taking that one. There's, there's something about <laughs> having a great character actor in a show like this. Yes, uh, totally great. Great, a perfect example, may he rest in peace, Bill Paxton. Yes, I think Bill Paxton is one of the his inclusion in the first season was one of the reasons why we still have Agents of Shield. Mm -hmm. I think it was a him his inclusion brought viewers that may not have wanted to watch the show, but oh, Bill Paxton's in it. Well, I'll I'll take a look. Yeah, and then you get sucked in. Mm -hmm. And luckily, we've had great writing since then. Mm. And now here you go. You've got David O'Hara, who is playing, even though it's the fake version is playing Fitz's father. We have Alistair Fitz, mm-hmm. this mysterious man who Fitz in the real world, our Fitz, has, has talked very little about because he knows very little about him. But now we know, not a good man mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. You add a great character actor mm-hmm. to any show that lacking in, in quality or not, you add that to it and you're going to get this nice fizzy foam pop up out of your soda and you're going to suck it down. Yeah. And that's what I've done. And I really hope that we can continue to see David O'Hara in this show moving forward. And that is my S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier. I think that's a wonderful choice for your dossier inside this episode and not where I was going to go so hard. Oh, hard, well. I say. My entire dossier for this episode has got to be a focus on Jason O'Mara. Hmm. Because, wow, if this is the last gasp slash saving moment of the Patriot, 
inside of the universe of Marvel, consider yourself awesome. Yeah. You have painted a complete picture of a gentleman that was complete douche when we first met you into a not quite sure what's going on with me guy as we found out that he was not terrogenetically powered, that he was just a guy getting juiced to a guy that with his regrets gone is a terrogenetically powered super mm-hmm. that is saving kids and everything there between. That's magical. And you try and if we were to fast forward somehow from the beginning edges of what we learned his character was going to be, and I'd have read that to you, you'd have said, that's going to suck. Yeah. Because it would, it sounds like it could be incredibly melodramatic. It sounds like it could be a complete minefield for, oh yeah, whatever. But it's not. Mm. They have painted him wonderfully with wonderfully human moments that really do help propel the storytelling, but also give us a taste of the Patriot, which is what we were talking about that very first time we met him and that we learned that, that, hey, that guy's name is Mace. I can't be Jeffrey Mace, can it? Well, it is Jeffrey Mace. Wait a minute, Jeffrey Mace is the Patriot. And if this is the life that they have given the Patriot, consider yourself marked and well done. I, I You don't have to bring him back if you do. I'm absolutely okay with that because, hey, it's not quite the Matrix slash it's the framework. And I don't know how they would do that. I'd like to see it really, really well written to come back from something like that. Mm -hmm. I think it's much more poignant if they leave him dead with that. But that definitely is my my dossier moment inside this episode. That's where we ask you guys, what was inside your dossier for this episode? Season 4, episode 18, No Regrets. Let us know what you think by going over to our website over at agentsofshield.tv. Click anywhere on the right-hand side, fill out the quick web form, and tell us what you think. Ah, the rating for this episode, season 4, episode 18, No Regrets. The scale works thusly. A 10 is a wonderfully high watershed mark. It can't possibly get better because we're not changing the frickin' numbers. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, man. A one is not so awesome. Nothing will touch this episode that has a one. Everything starts at a seven as an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick? There, there are, are no halvesies. Nick, what do you got for this episode? The chemistry set of two guys talking is a uh, is also a magical place. <laughs> I know the chemistry set. There are so many times where I am dead set on something and I walk in here and you and I talk about the episode <laughs> and by the end of it by the end of it sometimes my mind has changed. And and it's vice versa. There are times where where I notice something that you didn't notice and Too true. I lay some knowledge on you and it it kind of changes your it perspective does. a little. It absolutely does. And I think it's that's one of the that's one of the great things about this podcast that we do mm-hmm. is Two people who have similar likes, but also a lot of dislikes. Mm-hmm. We watch the same thing. We come in here. We talk about it. And sometimes we love it. Sometimes we, well, I don't think we've ever really hated it, hated it. Don't get me started. <laughs> this season, we haven't hated it. So uh, it's interesting when we get to a point to where you throw a spear and I have to be the bigger man and admit, yeah, yeah, that was a that was a righteous throw of the spear in said show. Mm-hmm. But I will stand by my previous statement saying that it was only a flesh wound. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. with everything great about this show, the lackluster set dressing and use of funds to make things look a little bit crisper where special effects were concerned, I can forgive that. Mm-hmm. I, I can totally forgive that because they didn't shirk anywhere else. Mm-mm. If anything else would have been subpar along with your spear throwing mm-hmm. point, mm-hmm. then yeah, I, I would be very disappointed. And this might be an episode in which I do not give it a stellar rating, but that is not today. <laughs> For this episode, I rate a 10. That's terribly well said. I Again, I kind of looked through our episode review and... I add up to about 19. <laughs> and so I'll take away my one, and unfortunately you can't have an 18 inside of our stupid hey, score Hey, your rules, man. I'm just living in your framework. <laughs> and so I also give this episode a 10. I can run through all of the details if you'd like, but frankly you can just <laughs> rewind everything inside of this podcast yeah. and understand the value. Uh, in particular, the spear-throwing moment. The I really did weigh on that whether or not to even share that. And but you know what? I'm glad that you did. I, I am too, because it, it, it struck me deeply at watching it a second time, mm. which means I know that someone else is going to watch it and go, man, that really does kind of look cheap. Mm. And I, I also wanted to mention that mostly because with the exception of the most recent, and I don't know how to tell you guys, but crappy edition inside of Netflix with, Kung Fu fighter Danny. What is, what is the name of the... Danny, Danny Rand, The Iron Fist. The Iron Fist. Which I which still have terrible. not watched. Okay, well, sorry. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Uh, I, I, knowing you and what we talk about and why things work, you're going to have a rough 13 hours, friend. Oh, well. Uh, anyway, the reason I bring that up is because I see points inside of this reasonably cheap spear-throwing moment that actually outweigh things that I see inside of that Netflix show. Wow. So. And we know Netflix has got the money. They Not only do they have the money, they have what is traditionally an incredibly high bar of quality. Mm-hmm. In particular for the Marvel set of entertainment that's being painted there. So I would never want Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to leave ABC and go to Netflix. Oh. Mm. Mm. Yeah, man. Mm. You know what? I think Agent Carter would also work pretty well over there, Don't too. Don't get me started. But I know. <laughs> Showing. That's my spear towards you, Wilkerson. <laughs> Talk about spear. Incredibly wooden one over here. Wow. The, uh, it, good night, everybody. Yes, good night, everyone. The gist, though, is that you are getting such wonderful television production inside this television program, even with a major faux pas in regard to reasonably cheap, creative moment inside of the you know, the pinnacle of the episode. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, you know, that again, I love the acting of Jason O'Mara inside of this so much that he helps to sell past any of the shortcomings inside the spear throwing moment. So uh, again, just 10 for this episode. And that's where we ask you guys, what did you think of this episode? What do you rate it? More importantly, this is, I love it when we can ask you guys feedback. Where did you stand after seeing this episode before listening to our podcast? Because that's really what I want to know. There you go. I I love that you guys want to rate this and tell us what the number is, and that's awesome. But where did you stand before you listened to this podcast? And did this podcast change your perspective? Yeah. Let us know what you think by going to our Facebook presence for that. That's over at facebook.com forward slash shield podcast. 
Start a new thread there, or chime in on one of the ones that's there, and tell us all. Until next time, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. We're thankful you were able to review this covert communication, reviewing the most recent episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the stories and soon-to-be legends on ABC. Be sure to tune in to our ongoing top-secret communication with agents all over the globe via our Facebook presence immediately. Facebook.com forward slash Shield Podcast to be the first to be made aware of Agents of Shield news, the arrival of our newest reviews, and more. The Agents of Shield Podcast, a super show for fans of superheroes. Uncover the mysteries, critical information, and reviews now by accessing agentsofshield.tv. That's agentsofshield.tv. End this top secret two guys talking communication.
and back in from break in three, two, yeah. Lex St. Louis Popo in the house. Right by us. Bad awesome. boys, bad boys, what you going to do? Oh, mm, got him right up front. Stuff. Comes crashing through the front. Oh, God, the Denny's. Somebody's taking over the Denny's. <laughs> All right. Put the sunny side up down now. You ruined my moons over my hammy. Oh, I could go for that. Insert the tone. Oh, no, wait. Every time we come back from... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> bitch. Every time we come back from the... Give me another sound check. I want to make sure we're solid. Doing a sound check, making sure that we're still solid, bold, rich, Get, get animated a little bit. I'm animated. I am so pumped for this episode, I couldn't even understand what I'm saying right now. Do you get me, man? Okay. Brother. Okay.